Hello and welcome into the Daily Blues podcast on 101ESPN.com. Dan Betlock with you. Glad you're along with us. Blues in Pittsburgh tonight to take on the Penguins. I've won four in a row, trying to keep their winning ways going against the Pens. Coming off a, the Blues are coming off a nice victory over the Chicago Blackhawks 4-0 on Monday. Jake Allen pitching the shutout. Should be a fun one tonight from Pittsburgh as, if, of course, these two teams met just on Saturday with the Blues pulled out, pulled away on that one. So catch the Blues and Penguins tonight with the pregame show on 101 ESPN coming up at 6 o'clock. Puck drop just after 7. Well, Chris Kerber joins the Rizzuto Show every Wednesday in the hockey season to talk St. Louis Blues with the guys from the point. Let's play that for you today. They started with the Rizzuto's words here, quote-unquote ass-kicking in Chicago. Here's Kerbs with the guys from Rizzuto Show. Hey, speaking of ass kickings, how about uh, Chicago Monday night, huh? Hey, That's always fun. Especially, I got I got a lot of respect for Jonathan Taze, guys. Uh, I think he's been a terrific captain. Obviously, he's an excellent champion, a three-time cup winner. Uh, when he's been asked questions about the Blues, man, if there's been any one player to keep a rivalry alive oh, in terms of uh, what he says, it, it's been him. And, and I got to tell you, I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's perfectly okay that Jonathan Taze would sit there and say, I don't want to give them any credit for it. They tanked in the first half of the season and, and went on a little bit. I, I absolutely love it. And I don't think you need to have respect uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, throw the other rival under the bus and then go at it. So it, it made it more fun when the Blues just absolutely spanked them. And that was as disinterested and as bad a Chicago team as I think we've seen in 10 years. Well, it's also good to have a villain. You need a villain. You need to put somebody yes, up on absolutely. that board. You know, you need to put that picture up there saying, we're going after this guy and his team. It's good to add that villain. Get you motivated. So I was, we were to a group of us, uh, you know, uh, on this trip here in Pittsburgh. We're talking last night at dinner. And I said, I, I'll make the case that I really don't know that a rivalry still exists in the National Hockey League. I actually, no, there's one. The one rivalry to me that really still exists is uh, is is Pittsburgh Washington, mm-hmm. and a lot of that's because of the greatness of Crosby and Ovechkin and some of the nastiness, and it's become because those two teams have played in playoff series, you know, and, and, and all that. But uh, you got to have teams that obviously that, that are good at the same time. I still think Blues Blackhawks is a rivalry, but but even with what we said with Taves, I don't know if there's a real villain. I mean, you would have thought that Seabrook would have been the villain, but. Right. Man, for like ten years, he went untouched. Is is the rivalry uh, with the with the Blues and Blackhawks as big as it ever was with the Blues and the Red Wings? Well, I, I think I, I think the Blues Blackhawks has always been a bigger rivalry, uh, you know, even even than Detroit uh, St. Louis. But but Detroit uh, Red Wings Blues got as got I mean it, it got as big as the other one for a while there. What's the shame of it is I mean immediately when Detroit went to the other division mm-hmm. or the other conference. That rivalry just disappeared, yeah, away. disappeared completely, mm-hmm. like just completely went away. Do you think the younger like generation, like now, it's going to kind of shift towards Blues-Predators rivalry? Because I feel that when I'm at those games, I feel almost the old-school Blues-Blackhawks rival- rivalry, now Blues-Predators. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what we were talking about, uh, Tony. It, it was just one of those... Uh, I, I think it is because there's a little edge to the game of the Nashville Predators, and, and, and maybe that's where I'm going with this. Is you just would like to see some teams play with an edge. I know at the end of that game against Chicago, they had charted Chicago with 30 hits, and we're like, "Well, where in the stands?" Mm. Like, I mean, it sure didn't look like it happened on the ice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you, you just you got to have some edge and some nastiness, and you know, you know, for, you know, Blues, Blues, Boston, the edge, and those two because of that Stanley Cup final could be really good. But yeah. obviously, you only play them twice a year. But you, you've got to play with some level of an edge. 
Well, let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the goalie situation real quick. Uh, Jake Allen was outstanding on Monday night, thirty-eight saves. So over the first twenty-four games of the season, so as Jordan Bennington started nineteen of those games, but we've been seeing a lot more Jake Allen lately. What three out of the last five games he started? Why is this? Well, well a couple of reasons. One, he's been playing extremely well. Two, the, the team's been on the road a lot, so you're managing the energy of the goaltenders just as if like you're managing the energy of the players. The other thing is I think the St. Louis Blues really went into this season with the focus of, okay, there, there's going to be coming off of a banner-raising ceremony, ring ceremony, things like that. The, they're, they're kind of researching and understanding what teams have gone through. Said Adrenaline helps you get through some of the uh, long-season fatigue of the previous season in the month of October. Mm-hmm. You tend to hit that cup hangover uh, in, in November going into December. And that's exactly where we are. And, and Doug Armstrong and Craig Ruby have focused on that since the start. We were talking to those guys about that, and, and they were mentioning this specific run of games and time frame in the season way back in September. And I think they came up with a plan and are trying to manage through it. So, uh, there's going to be some busier stretches of hockey, but right now with the Blues uh, in the middle of tonight when they play, they're going to be playing their 10th game. I'm sorry, their sixth game in 10 days. Yes. So that's just a lot. You've got to you've got to make sure guys stay fresh. So when you have the luxury of both goaltenders playing as well as Jake and Jordan are playing, you just keep rotating them and keep going with it. And obviously, it's been working pretty well. Well, as far as goals against average, Bennington ranks number seven in the NHL, and Jake Allen is 10th. I mean, that's, that's yeah. amazing. Both, yeah, both goalies yeah. are playing outstanding. Yeah, normally you want your uh, your number one goaltender to just be top ten in both categories. And when you can get both at least top ten and at least one of them, you're doing pretty well. And, you know, what I credit a lot to, though, is this Blues defensive core, I don't think it's enough notice around, uh, you know, national notice when, when they break down teams around the league. Uh, it is, I think it is the best defensive core in the National Hockey League. You know, you know what, you, I don't know, Chris, if you said it or if I heard Jamie Rivers saying it, but one of you guys said, Chris, or Chris Pronger, there I am doing it again, uh, Pareko could possibly be the best skater on the team. Oh, I, you know what? Uh, next to Vladimir Tarasenko, I don't know who would be better. When Vladimir Tarasenko gets those tree trunks moving, <laughs> he can absolutely fly. Uh, but... Colton Pareko, I mean, there's a, he made a play across ice to catch up to one of the Blackhawks players. I can't remember which one it was. And it's only a player like a couple of defensemen in the league you're going to be able to make because he can get there. Uh, Colton Pareko is absolutely one of the, if, if not the best, he's one of the top two or three on this team, hands down. Did you, have you seen the, uh, this is a little bit off topic as far as game day is concerned, but have you seen the uh, Patrick Berglund YouTube uh, video uh, that came out recently? I did. I watched it. I what did. Are you, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? For for people, just let everybody know exactly what it is, but then your thoughts on it too. Well, of course, people may or may not know, the Blues traded Patrick Berglund in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Patrick played 11 seasons with the Blues, uh, 10 seasons actually. So, uh, he, he didn't want to go to Buffalo, wasn't happy with the trade, and things just weren't going well with Buffalo. And then in his mind, things got dark. Uh, and and he was just having a hard time reconciling the trade and, and the enjoyment of the game. And he didn't let anybody really know about it, and he ended up walking away from the game. And in doing so, basically walked away from the, the remnants of, of $11 million. Yeah. And uh, went back, kind of found himself back home, and then uh, decided to start playing again. He's playing, playing over in uh, – the Swedish league this year and having a, having a very good season. Rogers went and did a, a video with him. It's on, they put, they put it on YouTube. Uh, and it, 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 it's a terrific 10 minute look into what was going on in his mind. There's some real discrepancy. Uh, you know, he and his dad 
you know, claimed very heavily, and this was one of the reports that the agent did not submit a list to Doug Armstrong in terms of what teams he could he could not be traded to. He had a 20-team no-trade list that he could submit, and when they didn't submit it by a certain time, that opened up the ability for Doug Armstrong to trade Patrick anywhere he wanted or needed to. And uh, the agent has since come out and said that is not true. I asked them for the list, and it didn't happen. Got to be honest with you. I tried. I, I've no, I haven't known Patrick for ten years. I'm going to take Patrick's word first. And, and, and thank, uh, you, but Buffalo, thank God it happened the way it did because no O'Reilly then. Yeah, and Buffalo was on that on the list that he would have submitted mm-hmm. to not be traded to. Yes, Buffalo. Buffalo was on that list, and yeah, it's exactly right. And he he flat out said in this piece, yeah, Buffalo easily would have would have been on the list. What I found fascinating about that piece, guys, is. Patrick was willing to talk about the events, but he seemed reluctant. And, and I don't want to say defensive, but he was short to the point, And you could see the body language of the arms folding and the directness and the look in his face. Um, you know, and, and it, I, I found it interesting. But that's, that's kind of who Patrick was in terms of that. He, he was comfortable in a situation that meant a lot to him. And uh, it, it also goes back to the, another thing. Look, some of this has to go on to Patrick Bergen a little bit because mm-hmm. he, he didn't tell the Buffalo Sabres kind of where he was mentally and what was going on. So the Buffalo Sabres really didn't have a, a crack to help him through it, to maybe say, hey, listen, take a few weeks leave of absence. Let's get it straight. Maybe there's a deal to be had where he could be moved around. He, he, he didn't feel comfortable going that route and talking to them about it. And, and I think that's a little eye-opening for uh, some teams in, in terms of how they can – make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen again because I think had they done it, there might have been a better solution in the end for both uh, the Sabres and Patrick. Yeah, can you imagine if the Sabres put out a 10-minute video? I'm sure their arms would be crossed going, yeah, this was a sour deal for us too because this dude came in all pissed off. Yeah. And like, even play. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, what what a bummer! And he seems pretty angry, and I and I and I feel for the guy because I'd be angry if I went to Buffalo too. Well, I, I, well, look, at the, the, the Sabres have nobody. The, the Sabres have look. That that was a bad deal for the Sabres, no matter what. Okay, they the fact that they had a young team like they did and didn't think that Ryan O'Reilly should be a big part of that moving forward uh, and and do a better job uh, with their general manager and coaching searches and things like that to, to put a better team on that. That's all in the Sabres. Uh, you, you know, you're going to have players that get traded and players that are disgruntled after trades. That, that That's going to happen. Um, and, and, and it's just, it, it's unfortunate in this one, but in the end, they traded a guy who's a, a, a top two centerman in the league for a guy who, by the time they made the trade and they knew it, Patrick Berglund was a third line center for the St. Louis blues. Their hopes in that trade, to be honest with you, their hopes in that trade were on Tage Thompson, who's now hurt and hasn't really done anything for him, and the first-round draft pick. The rest were bodies that they needed. So, uh, yeah. again, though, I, I just think it's one of those situations where, you know, Patrick probably could have been more open with Buffalo uh, in terms of where he was at mentally. He said in that piece, he said the Buffalo Sabres didn't know how he was feeling. A couple of his teammates did, but the Sabres did not. Yeah, the real losers here, it seems to be, are the uh, Buffalo Sabres fans who are like, God, man, yep. you guys screw this up. This guy hates us. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to be here. <laughs> this is awful. And then, you know, we... You guys remember before... Before they traded Ryan O'Reilly, so the, the Sabres lose again at the, at the beginning, of, uh, you know, at, at the end of last season. And Ryan O'Reilly was just honest with his comments, saying, "I'm tired of losing." You know, it, it's taken mm-hmm. the love of the game out of it, which you can fully understand. But for some reason, that blew up in Buffalo. As Ryan O'Reilly doesn't want to be here, he's a bad leader, that kind of thing. And you're going, okay, well, uh, I would like to stand up and thank every Buffalo uh, Saber fan for their angst towards Ryan O'Reilly because uh, we'll take them.
Yep. 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 And again, thank God it went the way it did because maybe we'd have no Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know, if that exactly. trade oh, 100% happened, right. happened the way it did. All right. Blues in Pittsburgh tonight. It's an NBCSN game. Of course, you're going to hear Chris and the uh, and the radio call on 101 uh, ESPN Radio. No Sidney Crosby tonight? No Crosby tonight. Uh, the Blues look like they, except for obviously the injuries that have already been there, look like a good group to go. They uh, they did not have a full skate yesterday. Penguins are not skating, uh, having a morning skate this morning. Blues will take the ice probably at about, oh, I'd say 10 o'clock St. Louis time. And then uh, we'll go at it tonight and see if, see if they can tie a franchise record 11 straight road games with a point. Well, it's amazing because wow. the, the Penguins, their defense has been caca lately. <laughs> 16 goals in the past three games. Uh, Sunquist, is he? Is, I heard he's no no walking boot anymore. He traveled with the team on Monday to Chicago. Is he in Pittsburgh? Uh, yeah, he is in Pittsburgh with the team. Uh, I don't, man, I don't know if he skated yesterday. To be honest with you, see today, I don't. There was some chance that he might skate, but yeah, he was out of the walking boot already, and then they, uh, he was in a New Balance tennis shoe. So that's always a Lots good of- news, mm-hmm. a good sign. Hey, when some of these Blues come back, who 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 are the odd men out? Well, uh, Joey, me. to keep them all in the cap they're probably going to have to send the broadcasters down um yeah i you know look i it's a great question obviously i think they can depending on who comes back and depending how certain things go you can sit troy brower uh the thing is is nathan walker still has another couple of games here to continue to prove that uh, he wants to be a regular here in the nhl and, uh, and the Blues are eventually going to have to make a decision because whether it be Nathan Walker or Troy Brower or something, if they were to make a move with one of those guys, at some point here, uh, depend- you've got a 10-game and 30-day window with Nathan Walker. Otherwise, he'd have to clear waivers going down, and I don't think he'd clear. So asset management protection could be really important here. I mean, Nathan Walker could deserve to stay, but if the Blues send him down before he'd have to clear waivers, uh, you're protecting your assets for another call-up, and it's something that uh, Doug Armstrong and, and his staff will keep an eye on. Yeah, and this is this is where the uh, the uh, management earns their bucks with uh, with the player stuff, stuff like this, or else you'll oh, end yeah. up like the Blackhawks on Monday with uh, not enough players. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the, it happens that the Blackhawks were so tight against the cap. To give you an idea, guys, how tight they were. If you called up a player from the minor leagues and when he called, gets called up to the NHL, if his contract said he made the, the, the NHL league minimum. So let's say he made 700000 That would have been a cap hit of basically $3,700. And the Blackhawks could not get that into the cap. Wow. wow. That's amazing. 3700 That's amazing. Jeez. Well, Chris, thanks for always taking the time and uh, catching up, uh, talking Blues hockey every Wednesday around 830. It's the Blues in Pittsburgh tonight. And uh, have yourself a good call tonight, Chris. All right, guys, have a great week. Uh, we'll see you Saturday against Toronto, and then uh, talk to you next week. There you go. That was Chris Kerber talking hockey and other things with the guys from the Rizzuto Show on 105.7 The Point. During the Blues game broadcast in the intermissions, Joe Vitale sits down with a Blues player or a former teammate, someone from the other side, but he sits down and has a little interview, and they call it the Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe. And Joe was able to sit down with Phil Bork from the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. Let's play that for you now. It's the Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe. Joe Vitale with Phil Bork. All right, we're here with Phil Bork on this Krispy Kreme Cup of Joe. We're in Pittsburgh. It's not the old 2-9-er. It's not the two minutes with the 2-9-er. It's my show this time. <laughs> uh, for all you listeners out there, Phil Bork, the former Pittsburgh Penguin, uh, now broadcaster here for Pittsburgh. We did a lot of pieces together. Uh, Phil, let's just start with your years as a player, back-to-back champions in 91 and 92 with the Pittsburgh Penguins and I want to zero in on one player because a lot of fans are always curious about these Hall of Famers Mario Lemieux what's something about his game playing alongside him that just really stuck out in your time here in Pittsburgh 
No, it is, Joe. Uh, for me, he was the best player of all time. I mean, everybody you know, thinks it's Gretzky or Howe or Bobby Orr. For me, and I'm biased, obviously, but to me, he was the epitome of the natural. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's a guy that he didn't really work on his game. Everything mm -hmm. just came so natural mm -hmm. to Mario. He was good on faceoffs. He killed penalties. He could get physical. Uh, he could set up players uh, that, uh, you know, like a Warren Young to score 40 goals. He, he um, played his best hockey in the biggest games and uh, battled through all the injuries that he mm -hmm. battled through, whether it was cancer or all the back injuries. Mm -hmm. So to me, he was the, uh, the ultimate natural player and for me, the, the greatest player ever to play the game. Well, now you as a broadcaster, you're watching uh, who I view as the best player I've ever played with in Sidney Crosby. Uh, very different styles, I would imagine. Certainly physically, the size of Marilyn Mew compared to Sidney Crosby. Uh, how are these two players different in their own right from what you've seen up in the broadcast booth for, for number 87? Well, Joe, as, as I said, you know, Mario did not think he never worked at his game, but not at the frantic pace that Sid does. I don't even know if Sid sleeps. I think he's he's shooting pucks in his basement. Uh, he has, must have a dryer in his basement that he still shoots in uh, outside of Pittsburgh. But uh, he's just maniacal. He's fanatical. He's He just loves the game. He's always watching hockey. It just seems like it never gets shut off and is never satisfied. If he sees a little flaw in his game, he is working so di diligently on and off the ice to fix that and to be the best in the world at that. So um, just the, the, you know the work ethic, uh, but the thing they have in common is just an incredible high compete level mm -hmm. that these guys the bigger the game that that's when their mouth is just salivating and they mm -hmm. can't wait to get the puck and, and be a difference maker and we've just been incredibly lucky here in this small little sleepy town in southwestern Pennsylvania <laughs> that we've had a Lemieux and now we have a Crosby and once again this is Phil Borg the broadcaster for the Pittsburgh Penguins a former player won two cups with Mario Lemieux in the 1990s he's also got a book out for all you fans out there in St. Louis check it out it's incredible I've read it myself it's called if these walls could talk by Phil Bork talks about his childhood having an abusive father in Massachusetts switching over to playing hockey and now a broadcaster Phil you've been a great mentor to me throughout the years not only as a player but now as a broadcaster I want to thank you for your time here and uh, good luck in the game tonight big thanks to Joey Vitale for his Krispy Kreme cup of Joe there again you can catch those cup of Joes during the first intermission of St. Louis Blues hockey games right here on 101 ESPN all right let's get to a Clarkson Jewelers player profile it's time to get to know your blues with a Clarkson Jewelers Blues Player Profile. Clarkson Jewelers is an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Let's transition over from a player who's playing in his 13th NHL game, but his 8th NHL season, to another guy who's playing in only his 2nd NHL season, and that's Robert Thomas. Thomas to Sanford, he scores! He was the 20th pick back in the 2017 draft. He didn't know much about the city of St. Louis when he found out that's where he was going to be playing. But luckily, one of his line mates from the London Knights in the Ontario Hockey League helped him out. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't really know too much uh, right, right after I got drafted. Um, you know, obviously I knew uh, the Kachuk family pretty well at that point. So, um, you know, that as soon as I, as soon as, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to speak to them. Matthew was through the moon. He's like, you're going to love it here. This is the best place to play, that kind of stuff. And, you know, I knew I was in good hands, uh, you know, after how highly you talked about it. And then obviously with, with their family living here, I knew 
knew I'd have a ton of support. When Thomas made the team out of camp last year, he needed some type of living arrangement. So how did it come up that he'd be living with Big Walton family? You know, I hate to say it, but actually Matthew brought it up. He was the one who brought it up. He's like, oh, you got to live at our house. It'd be great. You'll have a ton of fun, that kind of stuff. And then uh, that's kind of how the conversation got started. Well, the Kachucks were so good to Thomas in that first year that he decided to stick around for round two. Big Walt showed me around and showed me the St. Louis way, so uh, that's why I'm staying for round two. Yeah, yeah, I'm going back for year two. <laughs> Couldn't get enough of them, so, uh, but no, they got a great setup and you know, they do they do everything for me, so I couldn't be more thankful for them. And while Robert Thomas is all hockey all the time, he still finds time to take in the city he now calls home. I try and do as many things as possible. Um, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get get more of the St. Louis experience. You know, I'm going to a lot of baseball games, uh, you know, dinner out with uh, with buddies and stuff like that. So uh, I'm still kind of learning learning all, all that St. Louis has, and uh, that's kind of been the thing for me, uh, whether it's video games, movies, dinners, that kind of stuff, just kind of experience all, experiencing all of St. Louis. As Thomas settles in off the ice in St. Louis, it's just the beginning of him settling on the ice. Schwartz drops it. Thomas shooting. He scores! Robert Thomas buries it for the Blues and gives him a 3-1 lead. Yeah, Robert Thomas is going to be a special one for years to come, only 20 years old. Should play an integral part in the St. Louis Blues success moving forward. That wraps it up for today's podcast. Don't forget we're on the air tonight with Blues Penguins on 101 ESPN. Pre-game coverage starting at 6. Puck drop just after 7. Of course, it's an NBC game, so probably around 7.15. Remember, folks, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Dan Betlock signing off on 101ESPN.com.